Hi guys, welcome to episode three, season two of the Manly Fat Podcast. I am joined as ever by producer extraordinaire, Mr. Roman Conrad. How are you, Rom? I'm all right, Stu, I'm all right. You, went, you said producer then, did you go very like American, like producer yeah. instead of producer? Producer, I was producer. like um, New York. New York. And it's obviously yeah. like, it's, it's season three and you're still calling me producer extraordinaire and there's nothing else you can in, intro me as, as to. Well, some things can't be recorded and shouldn't be broadcast from. I think we'll keep our nicknames for just between <laughs> us two. Okay, I'll take that. We are joined, as ever, by co-host uh, Mr Ross Hunter. How are you, Ross? I'm all right, mate. I can actually count and it's season two, Rom, not three. Just did so I listen you know. to season three? I did. I'm jumping, <laughs> ahead. I'm jumping ahead there. This is so, why you're an extraordinary producer. So, so, so for Phil listeners, it's season two, episode three. <laughs> I like it. I was, um, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Decent bank holiday. Um, I did, went out for the first time um, since lockdown as a family. I went for a, a nice wander around Wernerslow. Um, out for about three hours with the kids. Um, it was good fun. We used the farmer's swing and nearly got shot because he didn't want us playing on his swing. Um, but yeah, it was all right. It was good fun. Hold on. Let me just backtrack there. So this, <laughs> this farmer's got a swing in his field. No, well, it wasn't technically in his field. It was in his hay barn stall. <laughs> so basically you were trespassing, is that what you're saying? Well, if you've got a swing... It's visible within 10 metres of a path. You're going to, and the kids will play on it. They're going to play on it. What's wrong with that? And what, did this, what did this farmer say when he uh, removed from his uh, land? He couldn't really say anything because we were legging it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does, does a big sign that says private property not kind of it give didn't any... say private property. I, I did not trespass. It was just, a, I thought it was part of the public pathway and I carried on walking and I thought it might have been a public swing. There you go. Legislate that. <laughs> okay, well done. Great argument. I'm sure that'll hold up in the courts. <laughs> Interesting no, episode, this. Go on, sorry. Interesting episode, this, isn't it? So um, we're going to be talking to Casey and... Um, Casey's an expert on sleep and it's just around about, you know, sleep and how important it is and um, how we probably do it wrong, which is really weird. I've been sleeping all my life and to somebody to say, are oh, you sleeping wrong is really odd. I've, to be fair, I've, I've been struggling with a little bit of sleep recently. Um, so I'm, I'm actually looking forward to getting some tips. <laughs> yeah, so you, do, you do think, don't you? It's like, oh, sleep. Oh, I'm pretty good at that. But then after this podcast, you might realise you're not you're not so good at it. So what's the most amount of sleep you've ever had in your life in one session? Oh, when you God. say one session, do you mean without getting up, going out, going out of bed, or do you mean just no, like, like you can get up and go for a wee? I mean, like like one like you know proper like go to bed and then get properly up the next however many hours later. I can't tell you the longest. I can tell you the weirdest. Yes, I want to hear this story. Tell us. Um, so do I. It was after a, a, a week-long stag do in Benidorm and I got on the plane, sat down at the seat and then the next thing I know, I went, fucking hell, lads, when are we taking off? And I went, you're here, mate. <laughs> that was genuinely it. I didn't think I'd fallen asleep. I was actually wow. still in the, in the chair. 
I must have sat down, closed my eyes, and I, I'm like, "What are you doing? Getting your bags down?" It was just—it was the weirdest sensation ever because I woke up and we were actually there, and I didn't think I'd slept at all. Uh, so. Can I just suggest that you may have been abducted by aliens <laughs> <laughs> on, on an easy jet flight or something like that? So going to pick someone yeah. from there. What about <laughs> you? Uh, longest or weirdest or both? Uh, whatever. Uh, longest, I probably uh, ten hours, maybe. Um, weirdest two things when I was in America uh, when I was a kid um, family family holiday or vacation as they say um, I'd, I'd put I'd literally just lay on the bed and what I felt like three seconds sleep I'd woke up it was the next day I was getting woke up going oh we're going to Magic Kingdom but I, I was really tired because it was I thought I'd only been asleep for three seconds I literally counted me in three seconds and I was up um, the weirdest one one of the other weirdest ones was I'd broken my leg and I was just having a couple of days off school while the plaster dries. And I woke up on the toilet by the phone ringing and my crutches were still in my room. So I don't know how I'd got to that toilet. I've walked aliens. with aliens. No, that, that explains a lot. That explains a lot. But yeah, so I'd got to my room, to the toilet with a broken leg with no crutches. That was it. Strange. Things. What about yours, Stu? What, what alien encounters uh, do you have? <laughs> so the longest sleep I have ever had is probably about 23 hours or something like that. What? 23 so, hours? Yeah, it was a long, long time. So I was 17 um, and we drove to Barcelona in a minibus in, in 1999 to watch United in the uh, infamous European Cup final. Got there, drove down there and it was about seven of us on this minibus. Uh, horrendous journey down there because it was far longer than what we thought it would be. Stayed in a little village outside of Barcelona the night before the game. Went to Barcelona on the game. Obviously, incredible scenes. Uh, the next morning, didn't have any sleep that night. The next the next morning, got back in the minibus. Well, got, got back to the minibus and our driver... Um, he was a friend of my old man's, uh, who wasn't a Manchester United fan. He was a Stockport Kite fan, like self Roman, uh, who was going to drive us straight home on that morning. Uh, we got back to the minibus, and he was in a bar on a um, stood on a table with his shirt off, absolutely bladdered. So we had to wait a good few hours till he sobered up to take us back. So so basically, we set off. Um, and we took some seats out the back of the minibus and put a mattress down so everyone could have a bit of a kip. Uh, and I was 17 and I, I fell asleep just as we left Barcelona um, and I woke up 22 hours later. So, yeah, it's the longest, um, longest session of sleep I've ever had in my life. Nice. What's your weirdest? Uh, I just thought loads of shit, really, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Every anyway, night. Yeah, I always talk in my sleep like early on, you know, when you're just dropping off, I always chat absolute crap, according to Tiff. My missus told me I was talking to clients last night in my sleep. Hi, thanks for answering the phone. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was saying. I think that's that's something I want to raise with Casey about sleep talking and things like that, because I do it all the time with my missus. It's that kind of drop a hat, you know, when you wake up and she's like, are you talking? And you're thinking, I've not been like, you know, Saying other girls' names as a, as a so I want to yeah, I want to I want to say that to Casey on this podcast. Pretty good. 
good. Okay. So let's talk to Casey. So we're here with Casey Connell. Casey is a, a health coach for One U East Sussex. She works for Mummy Fat Parent Company Thrive Tribe, and um, she is a uh, shall we say a expert on sleep. Would you agree with that, Casey? I'm partial to a power nap. I can't <laughs> argue with that. Okay, that's kind of that goes yeah no um yeah sleep is something that's just always fascinated me so whilst I guess I guess I don't have that specific qualification I, I have delved into it in my academic career if you could say so I thought we'd start off mm-hmm. by and you probably um I just want two surprising facts that the listeners might not know about sleep And I just, just I know. Here's, here's a brick wall. Knock it down. <laughs> just, just give us a list. Just straight off the top of your memory. Well, we actually, uh, so we sleep for a third of our human lives, if you didn't know. So we spend, yep, about 33% of our entire life actually asleep. So if you think about, you know, context of 30% of a day, quite a long period of time. So multiply that around many days, obviously less when you're a parent. But yeah, so about a third of our lives we're asleep for, which is quite good. I really enjoy it. Um, we actually, um, oh, this one I quite enjoy. So we actually burn calories when we're asleep. So a lot of people associate, you know, exercise and restricting calories, you know, is the way to lose weight. But actually, with the majority of our calories that we use up during the day is during sleep. It's during the respiratory phase. So our breathing our muscle recovery, our hormone synthesizing, it's all done through that period. That's why we have our specific amount of calories that we need to intake during the day, not only just to function efficiently as humans when we're awake, but when we're asleep as well. And third one, oh God, not going to sound anything as exciting as those two. Um, oh, a dream lasts for a total of one second. Wait, so what? whilst... So a dream, so when you dream, you know, it feels like it's going on for quite a while, you're playing your own little movie, actually it only lasts for a second in your head. That's mental, <laughs> literally. Mental. Yeah, it can feel like the longest thing in the world, but actually it's one second of your life compared to 33% of it being asleep. That's there proper inception, that, isn't it? That's proper inception. <laughs> like, that is, I can't comprehend that. So wait. So how many how many dreams do you have at night then? If you've got millions of seconds to play with. Oh well, it, technically, you, in theory, you will only have one particular dream because dreams are just when you consolidate those memories. So it's the same for when you dream. If you imagine or you're dreaming of a person, you would have seen that person at some point in your life, whether that's just visually or seen them in the street. You'll never create a random. Human being in your what a nice room. easy way they to walk her into the an image of someone costume. you have met in your life. So yeah, so yeah, with dreams, yeah, that one second <laughs> thing. I mean, quite a good case study. Bless him is my behalf. Uh, 
typical example, he falls asleep all the time really quickly. And last night he fell asleep, was out cold for maybe a minute before he woke up and he was like, I had a really odd dream. And I was like, you weren't asleep that long to have a full on dream. And he did, he had a dream. So yeah, it only lasts that one second. We're just consolidating all those memories and it's yeah so yeah anybody in our dream as well as somebody we have met at some point in our lives too so we that's, just stored that, it in that brain that's like a super downloading isn't it in a way yeah like because, awesome. because when you when you wake up and you're like i had this dream and this mm -hmm. happened and this happened and this happened and this happened really that's it's just that in a way it's that information so you're you're never really this is really baffling my head now so mm -hmm. i suppose you never really actually truly dream in real time mm. um so when you said that you've had a dream that information has, has been consolidated over over a second exactly if you imagine the brain is one giant supercomputer and it is just choosing what part it wants to remember so it is replaying it in your head and it's selecting those particular memories it's the same when in, if you think of a dream situation, you know, whether it's, you know, generally the tens of the ones you tend to remember are either, you know, scary dreams to the point where they're nightmares or night terrors, or those really quirky, odd dreams that you just can't explain like anywhere else. Like if you described it to somebody, they'd probably think you've lost the plot that somewhere. Totally and utterly blown And that's my because mind. it's either something that you've either experienced in your life again or something you've witnessed. So whether you're watching TV or a film and it's your memory is deciding what's true and what's not true. Therefore, what information is vital for itself to keep. So, yeah, it's like its own little download every time we go to sleep. So that, that And that's only one part of sleep as well. Sleep, there's, you know, many fu different functions. So that tends to be the one we notice, you know, because it's such a vivid and outright thing that's in front of us that we tend to remember. It's why... You know, you'll have particular dreams that you can remember from many, many years ago. You know, I fondly, I say fondly, I vaguely remember, you know, a dream I had when I was probably about three or four because it's such a random dream for a child to have at the time, you know, but just because it was such a completely random dream. I had Power Ranger characters, I had Star Wars characters in the middle of my back garden and I lived in Cyprus. They were the last place those people were going. So it's just, yeah, the quirkier, the better you're going to remember it. And it's just your brain processing it all the way through. But yeah, one second dreams and you'll never meet someone you've not met before in your own dream. Imagine if we could download a dream and put it into like a virtual <laughs> hol holodeck like in Star Trek and just live in our dreams. It'd be amazing. Probably surreal, very surreal. It's... um. We also tend to live out a lot of things like fears in our dream as well. So you'll find a lot of people will say they will dream of falling a lot because of that, you know, even when if they're aware of that fear, they have that, you know, just that falling and it jolts them and it wakes them up. So, yeah, we experience quite a lot when we sleep and that's why we go through a range of different emotions, you know, from being terrified to waking up, you know, cause you're crying to pissed off that the other half's cheated on you and you're just lying there and you just want to smother them with a pillow and oh wait so so okay so when you do dream about you you're having like for an affair with a girl and you go i've never met her before well you actually have because you've seen yeah. her she's in your dream to be fair she could have walked us down the street you know two years ago and passed you by and you know but that your memory your brain has 
remembered that face and has put it. It could be someone off the TV. It could be, you know, anyone. But that face has been viewed before. So when I, so when so when my wife wakes up in the morning and she's like ignoring me for the first like twenty minutes of the day and I'm like what's up what's up what's up, and it's only when I bring her a cup of coffee that she tells me that last night I was unfaithful in her dream. Uh, and then she proceeds to be, um, should we say, cold with me for at least <laughs> half of the day. I can actually now come back and say, well, actually, that's only one second. So it could well, happen. But for her, but for her, it's so real. She's, she's actually there. She is. It's in first person. <laughs> she is witnessing it. It's why um, me and my half we he has this joke saying, "Oh, well, dream me as a dick." I'm like, well, real life, you can be a bit of a dick sometime as well. So it's like, yeah, but for the person in that dream, it's so realistic. Like, um, I've had some really random dreams. I've been kidnapped in dreams before, and I've been terrified out of my wit. And yet, wouldn't happen, you know. Well, I hope such wit wouldn't happen. But yes, but that person in that dream, it is so realistic that she hates you in that morning. She, you are not her friend. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I know it happens dream, regularly. Real you has to make up for dream you. That's yeah, the yeah. I, I'm you don't that know way. what dream yeah. you don't know what dream you has done, so you're out of the way. You can't wait. Well, is it associated to it? Uh, you know, when you talk in your sleep, is that are you actually acting out a dream or something like that? Because I talk in my sleep sleep quite regularly. Um, hmm. And the other the other day, I had a dream of because uh, I've been watching a lot of uh, the Grand Tour. And I had a dream that I was I had a dream that I was on a, on the, a, a grass verge. It was a sheep's field. I was on a grass verge. Jeremy Clarkson came up to me and tripped <laughs> me up, and he ran off down the hill, and I was you know rolling around in sheep shit. And apparently, I woke up when I, when I woke up in the morning. My girlfriend turned around and said, uh, "Rom, you you talking in sleep last night?" And I, I just immediately think, "Oh shit, what name have I been saying?" Like, but she said, "Oh, you you, you turned around and you said." Um, <laughs> ah, very funny. You fucking dick. <laughs> then I was like, oh, right. So, so then uh, that Clarkson kind of uh, dream just all came flooding back. And I was like, well, I must have been shouting at Jeremy Clarkson in my dream because he pushed me down a hill. Yeah, so when we sleep, um, the, the body actually becomes immobilised because it's a protective thing. But obviously, very hard to immobilise your mouth and your voice. So, yeah, we do tend to act out our dreams through sleep talking. So, yeah, it's whether what situation we're in, if we're frightful, if somebody's tripped us over. But a lot of the times, you know, there can be really random words as well. I mean, I've been known, and I still to this day do not know how, I have actually sent a text in my sleep. And it has somehow made some form of sense. <laughs> it, it, it made sense. I mean, they were random words. But it wasn't jumbled up. But uh, yeah, text and then just a friend texted me the next morning going, what are you, were you drunk last night? No, I was asleep. <laughs> and they were like, are you sure? And I was like, I'm pretty sure I was asleep. Like, and you look at your text and you've sent it at 2am and it's something like Apple race car and Dodgem. And you're like, well, there's no way that that has ever formed a sentence in my life. So what was I dreaming about last night? You're probably smashing yeah. keys and just predictive text, text just kind of spelt those words. Yeah. To be fair, it was quite a few years ago, and I think I was just getting used to having been gifted an iPhone for the first time. So, yeah, you couldn't just, it wasn't my Nokia where I had to press, you know, the button three times just to get one letter out. So, I definitely took advantage of that. But, yeah, a lot of um, the teams as well that we have, we just don't actually remember the next day. So, I can, I can never remember dreams. 
a lot of people say that yeah. so there'll be some people that say they don't they don't dream at all which you know technically may not be true they just don't recall that memory whereas a lot of people will say yep no I can we can have at least one dream a night or one dream a week for me I tend to only really dream or remember my dreams if I'm having a nap because I'm not in full sleep because you're not going into what's called REM sleep therefore it's not the deeper stages of that sleep level that you're into so your brain's a bit more active and imaginative so you're more likely to remember it but that's generally the time where I have my weirdest dreams ever and they will just be so bizarre that just don't want to tell anybody because again they're going to send you straight to an asylum or something that's, yeah, REM, that's, that's, that's rap- similar to me REM that's a rapid eye movement isn't it that is indeed there yeah so go. we have I'll, I'll, I'll listen to you talk we... <laughs> well, it's, it's, not the ba- it's not the band Roman <laughs> no not the band uh. but I'm impressed you got through <laughs> to that part at least because it can be quite boring that talk I know I've almost nodded off halfway through. No. Um, yeah, we have four stages of sleep and REM is our sort of last stage. Four? Yeah, that deep, deep, deep like stages. REM. What's the other one? So you have stage one, stage two, stage three. And, you know, you would thought they'd go for stage four, but now it's called REM. So we've got our lighter stages of sleep where we're not as deep and, you know, in our subconscious. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, sleep, well you say you say you didn't fall asleep in your talk, it's quite important. I think a lot of people do because there's not much knowledge out there in regards to sleep or, you know, everyone does it. Um, <laughs> but we don't know if we're doing it right or if we can help ourselves or, you know. So, um, you know, I was looking uh, in terms of looking at uh, some research today regarding to sleep and, again, the benefits of the guys who are listening, um, you know, especially during lockdown, how how can they get to sleep better? And one of the things that came up was, um, you know, eating before sleep. Well, not eating before sleep, but, you know, what what you eat can can have an effect on your sleep. So a lot of people like if you eat spicy foods, then that can, you know, interrupt your, your, your kind of body movement and you have a, a great sleep. Um, and also the question I would ask is, if you're going to eat a meal before sleep, like how... Mm. Is there a time limit to say, well, you shouldn't eat, you know, an hour before, two hours before, or is it due to the size of the meal or the, the, the ease of digestion? What's the... So mainly when it comes to meals and eating meals before going to sleep, it's more the digestion side of things. So um, if you imagine the mouth to the stomach is the world's oddest roller coaster. Uh, it's best experience going down you know if it's, you're lying flat on the bed you know you've just eaten something and that food can have a tendency to not move along as quickly as it should do compared to standing up so when we eat too much and then we go to sleep we're not allowing the body to break those foods down as efficiently as before um, it also does vary in terms of what we're eating as well so you mentioned things like spicy foods and you know there's always that myth you know you don't have cheese before you go to bed because you're going to have some odd dreams I mean I'm lactose intolerant so I don't eat cheese before I go to bed and I still have odd dreams so that blew that one straight out of the water so yeah there's certain things um, that can help and aid us to sleep based on what's in the food and then there's other foods and drinks that obviously are more the hindrance so things like alcohol for example a lot of people will say well, but alcohol makes me really sleepy and it's, you know, it, it's going to help me get to sleep, isn't it? Yes, alcohol is, you know, it's 
it works in the brain so it relaxes us it doesn't stimulate the brain it it allows us to feel more relaxed and go to sleep but it actually causes us not to go through the stages of sleep as effectively as we would do without it so we're more likely to wake up in the middle of the night or we feel dehydrated things like that so it can actually impact our sleep same with caffeine the caffeine is a stimulant so it works the opposite to alcohol so it keeps the brain active we're more likely to stay away. It's why we tend to have caffeine in the morning, you know, cups of coffee or tea to wake us up. You know, not so great having that before you go to bed. So certain foods and certain drinks, you know, things like caffeine, you shouldn't, I, I personally wouldn't recommend having caffeine any later than three o'clock in the afternoon because it still takes a couple of hours for that caffeine to work its way through the body. Uh, foods such as, so kiwis are a great example of foods that we should have before to bed. There's a study that, looking into a group of people where they have two kiwis a night, every night for a month. And each morning they answer questionnaires in terms of their quality of sleep and how quickly they got to sleep. And so far, sort of the results are showing that those who are having those two kiwis a night compared to those who aren't are getting more, you know, fulfilled sleep and they're feeling refreshed the next morning, or they're even getting to sleep a lot quicker than they were before because of what's in kiwis compared to the rest of food. Is that, is the, are the kiwis one of those where it's um, it, it's like having a sleeping tablet, so to speak? Is, or does it need to kind of, you need to do it for a week before you start seeing results with it? Or So yeah, it's, it's not, like with anything, it's not going to work instantly. Sleeping tablets, obviously, are only designed to be short-term, you know, solutions. Whereas if we can find these natural things that are already in the sleeping product. Um, so yeah, um, Sleep is regulated on two hormones called serotonin and melatonin. So the melatonin is, you know, what we find will help us sort of sleep and makes it a bit more easy, whereas the serotonin is what we need to wake ourselves up. So with the melatonin, we find that that's in the kiwi, so we're more likely to um, eat and that progressively. It, uh, it not tricks the brain, but we're having that hormone released into us, you know, so that it stimulates the brain to quieten down for the evening. Therefore, it, it's that nighttime bed routine that we have as well. But yeah, so um, yeah, so it's it's something that you've got to sort of continuously do. They're very sort of early on studies, but results have shown obviously they're great for help. But it, you know. Are you going to go to your GP and say, well, I'm having trouble sleeping and they're going to get out their prescription pad and prescribe you two kiwis every night for a month? Okay. <laughs> yes, or they won't. But yeah, it's lots of different things. Some things will work for some people and some things don't. So it's down to individual preference and how your body also breaks down those hormones too because you can have hormone imbalances. You know, your metabolism is not working as effectively as someone else, for example. So it's... It, it, there's no easy answer, I'm afraid, in terms of what food works best because it depends on a lot of things. What does man v fat mean to you? Lose weight and enjoy a game of football. Mental health camaraderie. Friends, football, fat loss. Reverse my diabetes. Big, sweaty, fun. Life-changing football. Better and healthy lifestyle. Good competitive sport. Teamwork, banter and weight loss. Create a winning mentality to lose fat. Hard work regime and football. It means sustainable weight loss. Don't let the boys down and don't let yourself down. Man v Fat. Way, play, lose, win. Just to pick up on, on how um, pe different people can affect different people, 
Hmm. Obviously, the recommended um, daily sleep is eight hours, I believe. So it varies on obviously ages. So the more we need more sleep when we're born. So obviously we're growing, things like that. So generally as adults, we need between six to eight hours. Some people can survive on less, some people need more. But generally between that, you know, six to eight hours a, a night. So so if, in what instance would somebody, I, I personally probably have about, in a normal, not lockdown, but in a normal, you know, back to normality, probably have about six hours sleep and I'm okay with that. Don't feel tired in the day. Um, but I know that other people, you know, need a, a solid eight hours or they just cannot function the next day. Is mm. that to do with, is there any way that we can control that? Is that just, just you know, person to person? Does it vary? Yeah, so it will vary and it will vary um, in terms of, it could be down to a number of things, genetics, chance um the kind of lives we're leading routine and habits there are a lot of things so you may notice that you know if you're getting up particularly the same time every day and especially if you set an alarm and then you have to be up at that time on a day where you don't have to be up at that time you find that your body will naturally wake you up at that time anyway it's part of your circadian rhythm so that body clock we've established so for some people you know the body has responded to, you know, take yourself, for example, you know, six hours of sleep and that's all you need and you can do your day-to-day functions on that. Obviously, if you're a bit more active during the day or you're doing something that's strenuous, then it may be that your body needs a little bit more time to recover, things like that. But yeah, a lot of people will find that it will vary in terms of how much sleep they need and how much sleep, how much what good quality of sleep they're actually getting as well. Because it's not just how long, you know, we're in bed for and things like that. It's the amount of sleep we're getting and the quality of sleep and sleep hygiene it's called as well. Whether we're having a good night's sleep or we're just lying there in the middle of the night awake or just not feeling refreshed the next day. So there's all these different components in there that establish, you know, how we're going to function as human beings. You mentioned there about the different kind of... um how how the quality of sleep so i i'm a terrible sleeper i don't sleep very well at all but i can probably what feels like been awake from till say four in the morning still like lying there awake in bed i get tired at four and end up feeling having two hours wake up at six and then i'm up but then about eight Mm. o'clock in the morning i get tired or something and i'll go and have 20 minutes on the couch and have have just a proper and then i'm when I, i sleep there i'm actually gone gone and i'm full on asleep but then I wake up and I'm feeling so much better from those 20 minutes mm. than I did from the two hours during the night, which is I find really weird. So with that, the 20 minutes of sleep that you're getting, you're, you're not actually like gone, gone. You, you know, you're not in that deep REM. So when you enter that REM stage, which is that deep sleep, so this is the stage where we're meant to feel restful. It gen- One cycle of that generally lasts for 90 minutes. So if you're waking up, in the middle of that REM, you're not going to feel restful. You're, so for a lot of people, they'll find that they'll set an alarm, say a typical person sets their alarm at seven o'clock every day and has done for the last 10 years of their life. Depending on when they're going to sleep and how long their REM cycle is going on, if that alarm's waking them up before they finish that REM, they're going to feel tired. They're not going to feel rested because they haven't completed that cycle. So when we take the, uh, when we have naps, for example, so that 20-minute nap, so anywhere between 20 to 40 minutes is a perfect nap. 
because we're not entering um, REM. Therefore, we're not completing that cycle. Therefore, we're not waking up in the middle when feeling unrested. So, yeah, that's why they never recommend sort of going any more than 14 minutes for a nap. But, yeah, so a lot of people, their alarms will go off and they've not completed that cycle. They're not feeling great. And the other thing as well, you find that you some people will wake up before their alarm goes off as well and then look at it and go, oh, I can get another half an hour sleep in this time or whatever that is, and then wake up feeling a lot worse than they have done when they naturally woke up earlier. Again, it's because their brains try to go back into that cycle and it's just not happening. You know, when you talk about this cycle, uh, the, the circadian, circadian rhythm, is that... Um so this is the um, no. So the circadian rhythm is our body clock. Right. So it's what tells us uh, what time we need to sleep, what time we need to eat. It's all based on you know the good old olden days where people would wake up basically when it was the sun was out, and then they'd go to sleep when it was dark when they didn't have that light. So long before light bulbs, where everything was done by candle. So it's that uh, sort of rhythm we have in terms of what time we need to eat, when people would go to work. We tend to experience a disruption um, when we travel and when we get jet lag because our body doesn't know what sort of time zone it is because it's been long periods of time so yeah that's the circadian rhythm so that's our button body's natural sort of internal clock so would you be disrupted if so say if you nah, you know you have in six hours a day you needed six hours sleep to, to fully function that was your um kind of routine but if you're going through like a seven day week monday to friday you're going to bed at 12, you wake up at 6, that's it, boom. But on a Friday and Saturday, you may be staying up till 2 and then waking up at 8, but you're still on that six-hour sleep. Would that affect you or would that be breaking the routine? So that's um, yeah, more to that routine that you're talking about. So to, when anybody comes to any sort of specialist and they say, I'm a terrible sleeper, I can't, you know get to sleep at a particular time of night, taking me hours and then I don't feel rested the next day. And then one of the questions they'll ask is, well, what time do you wake up or do you go to bed on the weekend? Because what the what our body and our brain likes, it likes routine, it likes structure. And a lot of people notice this, especially in lockdown at the moment, that they're not having that routine. So they'll find that they're waking up later or they're going to bed later because their day, their structure is different. They're not getting outside as much as they were before. So, yeah, with um, one of the top sort of tips they say when you want to get your sleeping sort of back to some form of normality is going to bed at the same time and waking up the same time every single day as well as weekends. It's not, you know... Yes, sometimes we need to... Um, increase our sleep a little bit so if we're in like sleep deficiency but again that's not making up you know only having five hours each week night and making up by sleeping 10 hours on Saturday and Sunday because that's not an effective way of doing it it is literally it's a short-term measure it's not something we should be doing for very that's what my, so, my yeah. older man always used to live his life by that he always used to say you can't catch up on missed sleep so there's no point in going to bed mm-hmm. and then having 14 hours on a, on a Friday he said because it will it would t- it would take a lot of so many days of catched up sleep to actually put yourself back into a balance and equilibrium of sleep so you might as well just fix that routine and the body can function on that and it has been doing it through the week occasionally it's okay to have a lion but if you're regularly doing it then it's uh, your body just becomes out of sync especially if you're eating at a particular time of the day then your metabolism becomes you know affected your digestive system 
just your general energy levels, a lot of people will, you know, find that they're having that lull in that afternoon where they could really do a snooze and then that turns into a danger nap, as I call it. Would you, in, ter- just- in terms of napping, would you say, mm-hmm. go, would you promote, would you say, when you said danger napping, like today I had a snooze because I, I just felt a bit, I just went, well, I have a snooze, but I know I, I've had a good night's sleep. Would you say mm-hmm. try and avoid that snooze like the plague until you go to bed at night? I personally like so I when I say I'm the queen of napping I pass I, I love a nap there unfortunately I had meningitis two years ago so um I actually have a tumor on my pituitary gland so I have a teeny tiny brain tumor so I find myself even if I get the seven hours of sleep that I know my body can survive on and cope on that it used to before in that healing process when you've been sick sometimes you need a little bit more so for me, a daily nap is part of my routine and structure and it's how I function. I can still sleep at night, even if I've had a nap during the day, depending on how long I've napped for. If I've napped for 20 to 40 minutes and it's just literally just that little pick me up, just I'll be fine. It's when we then go into those two, three hour naps where we can find that actually that's starting to affect our quality of sleep then for that next night because We've already completed a cycle or we're in the middle of the cycle. Just think back how many times have you ever napped and you woke up and you're not entirely sure what day it is, what year you're in, where you are. Just because it's that state of confusion, you come out of the nap worse than you went into it. And it's just that sort of, it's the finding that right balance of sleeping in the day where necessary and then obviously that quality of sleep at night. But for me, I wouldn't recommend, I would recommend you know, only napping between 1 and 3 p.m., anything later than that, and you're going to start to disrupt your sleep. Hi, Roman here. Thank you for listening to the Man V Fat podcast. If you'd like this episode and want to hear more like them, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Hit subscribe and turn on your notifications to make sure you're always up to date. Obviously, what's going to be quite relevant to our listeners, Casey, is how... uh, being overweight can affect your sleep. Just really mm-hmm. wanted to touch on that as, as you know, when obviously there's the stuff like sleep apnea and stuff like that. But how do, how does being overweight affect the quality of sleep that we get? Okay, so yeah, that comes in kind of twofold. So if we look at it, if we approach it from right, so you know you're overweight or you're obese, you know you're you're you've identified that and you know it's affecting your sleep so the ways that that will affect your sleep is those sleep conditions so you've already mentioned one which is sleep apnea so sleep apnea is when we stop breathing in in the middle of the night you're sleeping and your airwaves actually become restricted now this can be due to an excess in uh, weight which is shown around your neck so the inside of your sort of throat, it closes sort of off because of the way we're sleeping. Or it could be other things like, <laughs> so I did a couple of stints in the sleep clinic and it can be things like uh, when your tongue is too big, for example, <laughs> or if your tonsils are too large and you've not had your tonsils removed. So it doesn't have to generally just be about weight, but every client that came in, you know, particularly males, because it would lot, a lot of males would enter the sort of sleep clinic and the first thing I would do is I would I would wait, I would get a measuring tape and I'd measure their neck to have a look at their neck circumference, and that would you know let the consultant know in terms of 
what the, you know their BMI is in correlation to that and the next size in terms of that's likely to be that and then as well obviously with all the other examinations and the other tests they do but yeah so generally if you're overweight it puts you more at risk of developing sleep apnea and obviously the risks of sleep apnea so that not breathing in the middle of the night some people will wake themselves up which is you know very common but some people don't and then that's when they require the aid of a sleep machine called a CPAP machine just to aid them through their sleep so yeah generally if you lose weight you find that things like sleep apnea tend to decrease how to make notes with that is how, how do you know if you've got sleep apnea how do you go to a doctor or get diagnosed because obviously you just might think oh I'm waking up at night or is it something that goes yeah do you wake up know. going <gasps> <laughs> so a lot of people will so a lot of people will wake up gasping for breath um, some people um, they only find out when you know they're with a partner and a partner says you stopped breathing last night and they're like right the sleep apnea doesn't, you know, for some people, it doesn't happen for a long period of time. It's only like a couple of seconds and then their normal breathing resumes. But yeah, so they won't realise until, you know, they're with a partner and the partner says, well, you stopped sleeping, you stopped breathing last night. And they're like, was I? And I was speaking like that. But sort of individual telltale signs is how you're feeling the next day as well. If you're waking up completely shattered, even though you've got seven or eight hours of sleep and you think, why am I not feeling rested? You know, I'm sleeping going to bed at the same time and waking up the same day, you know, I should be feeling okay. It could be that because of sleep apnea, it's affecting your quality of sleep in the night. Therefore, you're not getting that good night's sleep, so they say. And then the other thing would just be a lot of people can, you know, download um, apps on their phone that record their sleep. A little bit creepy, uh, but yeah, record their sleep and you can actually, it will alert you to noise and when there's not noise so they'll listen back and play back I've, I've done one of them they're creepy they are very uh, creepy it's just very so it's very a lot of people do it when they snore as well so snoring can be another sign of sleep apnea more to so that you know your tongue's either too close to the back of your tonsils or your throat or your tonsils are too large um but yes yeah, so a lot of people will get it when they're um, they get told again by a significant other that they're snoring and they record the snoring and it's complete silence until you just hear snoring and it goes off and it's the most terrifying noise you can ever hear. Uh, I wanted to just I do a sound a... then. I didn't want you just say, say the word Sorry. snoring. You've got to do you've got to do a snore. I'm not very good putting under pressure. A colleague tried to get me to do a whale noise once and that turned out weird. <laughs> very, very creative at one you sick. Just in the middle, just the middle of our meeting room, everyone's quiet and next <laughs> I'm just making a whale noise as you do. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, my, G, my GCSE drama doesn't stretch that far, I'm yeah, afraid. No, it's because I, I used to snore really bad. And these people used to call me the generator because I, I literally <laughs> used to snore like a like a, a generator. Um, and it, it was actually the weight loss that cured it. Mm. I, I didn't nice. realise it was because so but I don't know, I don't mm. know the science, the why it was that that got, got cured because of the because of the weight loss. I mean I was 20 stone, uh, sorry. 120 kilograms and then I went down to 90 kilograms so it was considerable amount of weight loss but it was just but it was horrendous I mean you know you, summer camps things like that I'd, I'd sleep people out of the tents they'd go and sleep somewhere else because I'd be too loud you know so uh, but it was quite embarrassing because I've a fair few stories about my snoring and it was quite quite embarrassing but I've stopped, stopped it now so it, would that due to be, would that be the weight loss would that what's caused it or yeah so with snoring there's you know Snoring can be caused by a variety of different things. So generally, it's so snoring is the vibrations of the tonsils at the back of the throat. 
So you'll find that if you have an enlarged neck, for example, that um, area is actually, there's a bit more pressure on it. So it's actually smaller and restricted. So those vibrations will tend to be louder. Um, snoring can be caused by other things such as, you know, any nasal problems. It can also be caused by smoking or alcohol as well. Generally also, you know, positioning of where you are in bed. So whether your head is under loads of pillows or you lie on the front of your back. But yeah, generally um, with weight gain, it's that, you know, the weight around the neck. So it tends to be sort of a contributing factor to that. And if you imagine, you know, if you are overweight and you're in bed, there's a lot of sort of body weight pressure on the body as well. So it is all tend to come up sort of the neck. It, it's quite a fascinating science, really. You think something like sleep is so easy and simple to do because, you know, we do it for a third of our lives and yet it can go wrong in so many different ways but yeah so that's the sort of you know being overweight how that can impact your sleep but on the same you know flip side having bad sleep can actually cause you to gain weight and so it's, it's a little bit of a vicious cycle really why, why having bad sleep doesn't make you gain weight so having bad sleep so if we don't have um a restful night's sleep uh, it's all about the hormone imbalance that occurs then the next day there's a hunger hormone called um, grenadin, and that grenadin. I'm full increases. of that. <laughs> full of it, yeah. Whatever that Sorry hormone is, and particularly particularly lockdown, that is good. I, I must be full of it at the moment. <laughs> the stipend of you is never like, too possible. I think Amazon delivered it to me. <laughs> Probably, they're, they're doing a good deal at the moment with that. So yeah, grenadin is the hunger hormone and we tend to find that if we've had typically a bad night's sleep, our body, that hormone will increase because our body's craving energy. It's craving something to allow that body to be have some sustenance. So that hormone will increase. Therefore, we're more likely to make bad choices when we haven't had good night's sleep or, you know, our thinking sort of part process of our brain becomes very cloudy and we just want good stuff we want to feel good we don't want to feel rubbish from the sleep we've had we want the sugary foods we want the caffeine we just want something that's going to get us through a long day instead of just calling in sick because we didn't have a good night's sleep it's we want to function as human beings as best we can and food then becomes our way of doing that so if we're repeatedly having bad cycles of sleep then that hormone is going to be at its sort of peak for long periods of time. Therefore, we're going to find that our portion sizes are through the roof and that we're snacking more often. And we're just making bad choices when it comes to food in general. So that's, yeah, so it can have that effect. And then obviously that, that can cause sleep apnea and therefore all of that. So it's just one big cycle. That's really interesting. Never really looked at it that way. So hmm. for somebody who is uh, is wanting to lose weight, um, and wants a good sleep routine. They want they want you know a really good seven eight hours of really good sleep. Uh, what would you recommend is a good routine? So okay, so first off, no routine is perfect. It's going to be based down to the individual and their environment. So generally, I'd say a good routine starts you know a couple of hours before you go to bed. So I'd recommend turning off, you know, TVs, laptops, anything that emits a blue light. So our smartphones are a very big sort of um, blue light emitter. So anything like that, turning them off or just putting them away one hour before you go to bed. 
because that blue light is actually causing the brain to become a bit more active because it's the same blue light that we would get when we get serotonin. So same light, the same hormone we get when we see the sun in the morning. So our brain hasn't quite figured out that it's time for bed because we're not allowing melatonin, which is what we get when it's dark, to process through this body. So yeah, turning off any sort of gadgets an hour before definitely. So do helps. we get that blue light from a TV? I, mean, I know I've heard of it from a mobile phone and iPads, etc. I didn't know. Either. Yeah, so any, anything such as like TVs, anything with a screen, basically, and anything that lights no. up. So generally, you tend to find that it comes from that. Obviously, with things like TV as well, you, you're watching something and you know you're immersed in it, so your brain's active because you're you're playing it through as you would do sort of that whereas you know yes on a phone you are looking at a phone you're reading through facebook or twitter or listening to a mabby fat podcast for example and um you've got that so your brain again is being active but that screen obviously is a lot closer so i know a lot of like my iphones will say it has a night mode where it takes that blue light off but you're still getting some form of it because you still need to physically see that screen as well so yeah, anything that you know, and I say basically screens off, you know, an hour before you go to bed to allow your body that time to begin that wind down process. Um, other things you can do are baths and showers. They're always a good thing. So generally, you find that when we want to sleep, um, our body goes through different processes. So one of those processes that happens is our core body temperature changes. So have you ever been, for example, somewhere hot on holiday and you just can't sleep at night because it is so hot and it is so warm? That my flat at night. Yeah, flats. Even in the UK, you know, summer is a perfect example of this. Even in the UK, this that even though if you've got a fan on, you just can't get to sleep because it is just too warm. So what that's happened is because that core body temperature hasn't been able to be activated to help it sleep. So ideally, what we want to happen is we want our, bo- our core body temperature to increase. And then as it falls naturally, that's when, again, those hormones become sort of come into play and it allows the brain to shut down for the night. So if you can't sleep, my top tip is always having a, you know, a nice warm bath or a nice uh, warm shower using some, you know, lavender oils. Lavender's a known property to help people sleep. Or on the other scale, you sort of, if you wanted to, you know, if it was really hot at night, you can have a cold shower, you know, go the other end. But I know most people would probably prefer to have a warmer shower compared to an ice cold shower that you would require to have the same effect, really. So, yeah, so always recommend having, you know, warm shower before you go to bed. Allow that body's core temperature to naturally decrease so that it stimulates the uh, winding down process of going to sleep and it allows your brain to shut down so yeah screens off for an hour before and then have like a bedtime routine so whether that's going for a shower reading a book listening to some music things like that you can listen to a podcast things like that um there's a couple of good sleeping apps where they sort of have that nice i say dull but that mono sort of sounded voice where it just lulls you for sleep in 10 seconds instantly. So if you can find your right sort of thing that helps you sleep, then it definitely works effectively. I listen to uh, scary stories on YouTube, but then some <laughs> scary stories. Actually, you know, when you're just about to go into sleep mode and you're in that little hazy, 
and some of them you, you, they play in your head and it's like oh, oh a bit scared now a bit scared don't want to go to sleep Lazy um, Masquerade Rob no sorry Lazy Masquerade that's a good one from for YouTube if you like scary stories okay All All right. other scary right. stories are available yeah, no, there is. I'm a big fan of uh, We Shouldn't Be Here and uh, Martis Media and all that. Um, and uh, being scared. This year, Man V Fat is raising money for Shooting Stars Children's Hospice, who, due to COVID 19, are having to stop providing end of life and emergency respite for so many families who are still relying on them during this difficult and challenging time. If you'd like to find out more information about this amazing charity, then head over to manbefat.org find out more. So just touching on the, the routine, uh, mm. when you say, you know, your bed routine and, what, and the wind down, when do people start, when should people um, start to think as a talent manager to start getting into bed? So for, like, for instance, right, I want to be, I want to be sleeping by 10 o'clock. Does that mean should I go to bed at nine o'clock or does that mean I should start my, wind down routine at nine o'clock for an hour or however long it takes me to get to that yeah so I, I always work backwards as weird as this is going to sound so I, it depends you know so what it all depends on what time you're waking up in the morning and if you are waking up say seven o'clock in the morning and you know you need eight hours of sleep you're not going to be able to function without that then you would work backwards so you think right I need to realistically be asleep by 11 o'clock Obviously, not many of us fall asleep within the first five minutes. So you've got to have some sort of allowance either side. So yeah, anywhere, you know, getting into bed. For some people, they need to take some half an hour to get settled. For other people, it can take an hour and a half of them just sort of relaxing in bed. So it, it does typically vary on the individual. The one thing I would say is it's all about practice and creating a habit. Habits don't generally tend to form overnight. It's something we have to keep doing. Um, with Thrive Tribe we went to an away day and we had this really amazing sort of speaker and she was talking about behavioural change and she was saying you know it takes between 66 days to 102 days for a habit to change so if you've got sleep problems and you start to make a change it's not going to all occur on one night it's going to be a process of working out what works best for you trial and error as I always say but yeah sort of work backwards so if you're not sure how much sleep you need, a good way of finding out is doing it on a day where you don't need an alarm set, where you can just fall asleep and allow your body to naturally wake up so you can see how long you've actually been asleep for. And then we're sort of repeating that on those days where you don't have an alarm because your body is going to naturally wake up when it's fully rested and it's ready to go. And then that generally will tell you how much sleep you actually need. So for a lot of people, they don't know how much sleep. They'll go, right, I'm going to get up at seven. Oh, it's one o'clock now in the morning. I'll cope on six hours of sleep. And it might be that they actually need seven hours and they're just not aware of that. So, yeah, my sort of, you know, recommendation is that if you don't know how much sleep you need, give it a try. Just find out how long you're actually sleep for and how much sleep it is until your body wakes up. Yes, we're going to wake up and go, actually, it's only six in the morning I'll do with another hour of sleep but if you can try and get out of bed when you're awake you're just going to feel worse off if you fall back asleep and you've not completed that cycle again so yeah working backwards so figuring out how much sleep you do need or can effectively run on and then yeah working out your routine from that so that's whether you have a bath or you have a shower 
whether you're reading a book or you're listening to music when you're in bed and just finding out what works best for you and knowing that not every single person is the same you're going to be completely different to you know your partner who shares the same book with you they may have a completely different routine to you and that's okay because they need their routine and you need yours and you need to find out what works best for you just to go just to go back on what you said about uh wake you know getting up as soon as you you wake up i'm i'm a uh, you know, um, serial snoozer. So I'll set five or six <laughs> different alarms, um, and I know that the snooze button is nine minutes long, and I will time how many times. <laughs> and um, I'd like to get out of doing that. So what would you recommend to get, for a point of a better phrase, how do I get my ass out of bed straight away? Okay. So a couple of different things and there's a couple of inventions which I've read up on and I love the sound of them. Some of them are a bit pricey, but some of them are just, just amazing works of invention. It's called a wife. A wife, yeah. <laughs> Children not, work really well. Children not my wife. Okay. No, no. <laughs> I feel there's a more psychological in-depth conversation. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, so some really useful and easy suggestions to getting up out of bed is having your alarm clock or your phone the other side of the room. So when that alarm goes up, you have to physically get up out of bed to go and turn it off. The chances of you turning it off or putting snooze and then getting back into bed and doing that for nine minutes for the next five times, you're going to get a little bit bored of that. So you're going to condition yourself to getting up and turning. You think, right, I'm up now. I might as well get on with things. So, yeah, setting your alarm, you know, away in the other side of the room, even if it's in another room as well, as long as you can hear it, you know, sort of the further away it is, the best thing for it. When I had insomnia and I couldn't get up when I was at uni, I used to put my alarm clock that used to wake the whole entire house up in my bathroom. You know, they weren't grateful for me, but I was. Um, so that I would physically have to go up and enter another room to go and turn it off. Therefore, it was... I was up, I was awake. There was no chance of me getting back to bed. Yes, you know, occasionally now and again, you will get back into bed, but nine times out of ten, you're more likely to sort of wake up. Um, other things, you know, can be, there's these great apps, and I love them, that are when you set an alarm on your phone. So it is an app that you set an alarm, but to turn that alarm off, you have to complete a puzzle. So that can be a maths equation or... It can be a question that you've got to answer and that alarm won't turn off until you complete that, depending on the level that you set it at. Another one on the app, which was you have to take a picture of something the night before, recommend just doing it in a different room. So if you, you've got something downstairs in the living room, like a TV remote, you take a picture of that, you go to bed and then to turn that alarm off the next day, you have to take the picture of that same object that you took from the night before for it to turn off. And I've done it where I cannot figure out this math equation. And I that alarm went on for a good 20 minutes to the point where I had to turn my phone off and do a hard reset just to get it to shut up. But I was awake. I got on with my day, you know, a little bit of a headache in the morning and really annoyed that I couldn't do a math equation. But, you know, I, I got up at the end of the day. My favourite ever sort of invention I've heard about is this alarm clock map. So your alarm clock will go off, but the only way to turn it off is by standing on this mat that um, measures like human uh, weight. So 
so it applies pressure to this mat and the only way it turns off is by standing on this mat you've got to stand on it for a set amount of time as well so there's plenty of people out there who are creating you know fast and wonderful things to get everyone up in the morning but yeah my top one is the cheapest option I would say is just putting your phone or your alarm clock even on the other side of your bedroom just so you've got to get up and turn it off at the end of the I'll look into them I used to have one when I was a kid and it was um it was like a it's like a football with a little digital clock in it that was sponge and it used to go off and you, the only way you could turn it off you used to have to launch it at a wall but sometimes you'd launch it hit the wall and drop on the floor and still be going off you'd be like you get out of bed angry you used to look I remember my, my first ever alarm clock and I, I used to be a big Pokemon fan when I was a child and it was this giant Pikachu and you had to it was set to like a series of like coordinate things you had to press on it to turn it off but when the battery started to go, it would start going off at like 2am in the morning and wake the whole house up by singing the Pokemon theme tune. And you can just hear my mum going, turn that bloody thing off. I'm sorry. I'm trying. I, uh, I've got, you didn't I've got off through the alarm clock story. So back in the 90s, uh, we were going to spend uh, Christmas with some family in Germany. Um, and we packed up the, the car. We were driving over. We packed up the car all presents and everything that we needed. Um, one of the presents for my cousin was, it was a an alarm clock that played Revelry and it was a little soldier and you used to have to push the soldier's ha- helmet down and it would stop it. So we packed the car up, we got literally about two miles down the road and the alarm started going off and it, it was in the very, very bottom of the, of, of the car considering like we had hundreds <laughs> of presents. Uh, and it literally, we, we couldn't find it, we couldn't get to it, uh, and we basically drove to Germany. I think we got to see Felix though to get the ferry, and just to be pulled to Felix though, the batteries ran out. Absolute nightmare. Horrendous, horrendous journey. Just played all the way. I used to have one of them alarms as well. I used to yeah. whack it on his head to turn it off. Uh, I don't know what he so I, I had a trash. When I, when I first started joining Man Fat, I, uh, I was getting into a routine. Um, and I think I was going to bed and going to sleep quite regularly, quite well. I think, I think looking back at it, it's probably because I, I was exhausting myself, um, which, you know, two, three months down the line, you wonder why you fall asleep during the day. But um, what I did, I, I just had this brain out. I had this idea one day that your alarm goes off and my alarm at the time was six minutes long. I was like, right, but if I set it to go off at seven o'clock, I don't want to get up at seven or six, do I? I want to, I want to wait until ten, you know, seven, seven ten, or seven fifteen, whatever. So I had the idea to start the alarm at seven o four, so it'd finish at ten past seven. It worked because I wanted to listen to the whole thing, but I'd just sit there and listen to it in bed. I'll lie there in bed, and the more I listened to it, the more I was coaxing myself to get to become more awake. This was like a song, or something and at the end of it. It was, um, yeah, so I downloaded um, the motivational speech off YouTube. It's one of them with Arnie and Sylvester Stallone and all, Will Smith and all that, uh, Ali. And um, and it was when I wanted to try and motivate myself. So I thought, right, I'll do that and listen to it. So I'd get up and then go to the gym. Um, and it worked. It, it really, just because in my head, it's like, now I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for, a, you know, uh, an even number to get out and I'm not going to get up at four, you know, Two, three, four, six, seven, eight, not at nine. I'm not going to get up. Well, give me a five or a ten. I'm, I'm up. 
So I did it like that, and it, and it worked. See, I'm I'm at a weekend. Like, all right, when I'm when during the week at work, if I'm trying to set my alarm an hour before to get up and do some work, a workout or something, especially during lockdown. I think last week I, I managed to get out of bed at half six three times, and the other two I just snoozed it for another hour, knowing I could have another hour's kick because I was knackered. So I just reset my alarm and went back in. But at weekends, it, when I wake up, I'm up. So if if I wake up at eight thirty or I wake up at seven or I wake up at half six, I'm just I've, I've got to get up. It's weird. I can't I can't like roll over and go back to sleep. It just doesn't work for me. And I'm and I'm up and loads of times I've been up messing around downstairs and the house has all been asleep. <laughs> I'm still just wandering around. Well, I've been all right, not too bad. I envy people. Yeah, and that's, you. and that's quite common. Yeah, a lot of people will say that because they haven't got anything specifically they may have to do on those days. So work is a prime example. You know, we're not doing that typically on the weekend. We want to make use of our time. We want it's valuable time and we want to get the most out of it compared to, you know, work, which a lot of people, especially on lockdown when it's the same thing over and over, they maybe particularly want to just have that relaxation time and, that, and they're not when they're getting that whereas the weekend it's designed for that so yeah we, we want to make the most of it so I generally tend to find I tend to wake up even earlier than I would do on a weekday at the weekend and be like oh why why is my body wanting to get up now you know I, sometimes I have to force myself to go back to sleep because I know I haven't had the right amount of sleep I need and I know if I get up at that time 10 o'clock is going to roll around and I'll be passed out on the sofa yeah, I quite like the peace and quiet in the house because about the only time I get it is if I get up at seven. <laughs> <laughs> just around what Ron was saying, Casey, you just want to touch on this. So Ron was saying that obviously when he was when he was training, uh, you know, two, three times a day, um, that he was just tired and he would automatically go to bed early anyway. Um, and I was just reading something about um, football clubs employing um, sleep coaches for the players because... Obviously, to 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 kind of train players in what is a good routine and how to get a good recovery. And I just wanted to touch on recovery and how important sleep is for you recovery when you when you're training um, quite regularly. Yeah, so it, it's one of those things that not just when you're training, but day to day life, you can have a sedimentary lifestyle, but you still need sleep because of the muscle recovery. So when we're asleep. A lot of things are happening. Yes, we're sort of passed out dead to the world, so to say, but there's a lot that's going on in the body at that specific time. And it's those processes, so whether it's, you know, brain consolidation, that memory consolidation that we talked about sort of with dreams, or whether it's the hormone synthesizing in terms of our melatonin, serotonin, and the rest of our hormones, cell reproduction, so our skin cells, for example, they're constantly being regenerative and muscles as well so it's that sleep time where the body is able to relax and recover so especially if we're training it's vital you get that sleep exercise is great to help people sleep you know it it creates sort of those hormones and it makes us tired but at the same point if we overtrain then we can cause ourselves not sleep as well effectively so it's finding that balance and sometimes that's the bit that takes the longest. It's, you know, whether you train in the morning when you just got up to help you wake up and allow you to feel alert or whether it's you train in the middle of the day because of your schedule or the afternoon or in the evening. And for a lot of people, you know, they can't exercise before they go to bed because it just makes them feel more alert. Yeah, me. 
Whereas other people, whereas other people be like, oh, I can't sleep. I might just go for a quick jog, and that's them, you know, down for the night. It's it's down to DNA, genetics, lots of other key variable points as well, but also just finding out what works best for us. So yeah, not trying not. Generally, the rule is don't exercise too close to bedtime, and um, yeah. It's, get exercising early in the morning is going to help with other things as well not just you know feeling alert for the day but our digestion our metabolism all those different components that yes you know we need to function daily but all comes into play as well with sleep and all those other things so it it, it's the body does a lot and the body is an amazing sort of mechanical system and we require a lot of different processes and a lot of different inputs and outputs for it to be as efficient as we can get it as possible. As I said, no sleep's perfect. Nobody is perfect. Perfect shouldn't be a word that actually exists because in my book, it doesn't count. It's what I say to my behalf anyway when he moans, I'm not perfect. I can't help it. Things like that. So, um, yeah, it, it's finding that what works for us and that quality of life. And that's important at the end of the day. Some people may feel they're not doing enough exercise, but yet their body is perfectly happy with what they're doing and that's okay. For some people, they're not doing enough and they know they need to do more, but they've got other components of their lives they need to sort out, like their sleep first and things like that, or they want to lose weight. You know, we all know that losing weight is you know, really simple. It's things we learn as children, eat smaller portions, eat the right things, not make too sugary fats, food, and exercising as well. That's the best combination we can do. But sleep actually plays a huge factor in that as well because if we're tired the next day, we're not going to want to exercise. We're not going to eat well. And therefore, if we're not exercising and we're not eating well, then that's going to affect our sleep for the following night, things like that. So it's a big bundle of webs and we need to sort of unravel it one at a time otherwise it's going to be too overwhelming but yeah so with exercise it's down to the individual so um me and my best friend for example she isn't well we are both are avid gym goers she gets up five o'clock every morning including a weekday and she will exercise she has physically had to come around my house once and drag me out of bed to go to a gym session because I full-on refuse to wake up at that time in the morning if the sun's not up, I'm not up. <laughs> Frozen is my life. I will follow that rule. So, where, yeah, where she will get up at five o'clock and the need to exercise, whereas i perfectly happy to exercise after work. Don't feel t- that tired after work. I can go off and that's my way of relaxing for the day. I can think about what's happened at work. I can allow my brain to process it all. I can, you know, if I'm angry or if I'm upset, I can put that into my workout, whereas she needs that workout at the beginning of the day to function efficiently for her day. So it, it's all based down on the individuals. But yeah, don't get yourself a best friend who wakes yourself at half five and don't give yourself a best friend a key. Either. <laughs> that was top tip. School don't give them a key. Yeah. So I, I've got two friends. <laughs> I've got two friends on here that used to make me get up at half five to go to the gym. I mean, I lost two stones, so I can't complain. She's a wonderful human being for that. But you know, if she could not pull my duvet covers off me and, you know, just scream at my face and I could have been anybody I've got an instant reflex where I would just slap her something like that she could have been seriously injured and it would have been her own fault but yeah no so yeah don't give her a key you need to get that back 
you know, with lockdown, it's my only saving grace. But yeah, she's even in lockdown, she's still exercising because she needs to exercise to not only feel good about herself, but to have that structure and routine. And that's what a lot of people during lockdown find that they are missing is that sense of routine. It's why sleep during lockdown has gone to the window. A lot of people are sleeping more. A lot of people are staying up later or getting up later. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just, it's fighting that urge to turn that habit into a permanent habit and finding what works best for you. Yes, we've got to give ourselves a little bit of, you know, wiggle room. We're in very weird times at the moment and that's okay and that's normal. And if your sleep is affected by that to the point where you're still able to function every day and you're still able to get on with things, then who cares if you're getting up an extra half an hour later? As long as it works for you, then that's more. No more we can ask, really. I think there's, uh, there's only one, one more thing I want to touch on. Uh, well, sorry, I was going to touch on, but um, I think it really does require maybe a whole new pod, a whole new recording. It was just the, the 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 worrying and the depression side that you know could manifest into bad night's sleep. But I think we'll uh, we'll skip that one for this for this moment in time. But I do want to talk about uh, I've seen on um, social media that you're doing a is it a bike ride? Oh oh yeah, I thought I'd let that one would just slip away. <laughs> <laughs> no no good deed good goes unnoticed, as it's uh, to say. Well, I'll let you know when I've done it. Um, yes. So Thrive Tribe, obviously, um, which Manby Fat is part of, and obviously One New East Essex. Um, amazing organisation. Hands down the best company I've ever worked for in my mere 26 years of my life. Um, they do this thing called Be The Change Day, where we get sort of an additional day of annual leave where we can go off and you can be active or you can do charity work volunteer in the soup kitchen basically anything that you know is part of our values and one of them is be the change so before obviously COVID-19 we had a few stipulations so it had to be you know you had to do it with three other people obviously social distancing and government guidelines currently advise against that but I still wanted to use my be the change day because I know how important it is. And last year we did a 13-mile hike around Buellwater, which is um, not that far from me here in Hastings. So my uh, boyfriend, he's an avid cycler. He was actually meant to be doing the uh, London to Brighton, I think it's like 60-mile bike cycle challenge. He did that last year. And he was meant to be doing that in the Hastings Half Marathon. But unfortunately, because of coronavirus, he was unable to do that. And it started off as a joke with uh, my work team I work with. I was saying, oh, I'm going to cycle to each of your houses. So I worked for the Hastings and Rother side of One uh, New East Sussex. And I said, oh, I'm going to cycle to your houses and wave at you. And then that suddenly became the whole of East Sussex team members. And there are 52 uh, members who work for One New East Sussex, my colleagues. Um, so what started off as a joke has now turned into my own personal marathon. Um, we've had to put a cap on, we've got 26 addresses, so only half of them. Luckily, some colleagues now were very, uh, are very good and they have said, you know, they're happy to not be, you know, 
for me to go and travel to them because at the moment the ride time is 11 and a half hours oh. and a long time on the bike um yeah crying my, those are my those are my nightmares at the moment i'm crying myself to sleep <laughs> so it the final well uh predicted cycle mileage is 120 miles round of the whole of east sussex in one day with stoppage time at my colleague's house to do a social distancing selfie as evidence that I have done this. And I'm raising money for five tribes, you know, annual charity partners each year, which is the Shooting Star Children's Hospice, which currently like all, you know, different organisations are going through a really hard time in terms of they, a lot of their money and their funding, they get from donations and they're just not getting that at the moment. And these vital services that they're providing for children who are end of life you know care and their families you know it's still needed even though there's a virus going on these children are still sick still need that support and so do their families so it was my way of doing my be the change day but also you know raising some money for a worthy cause and potentially not being able to walk for about two weeks afterwards (laughs) i don't do things by half as I said, I had meningitis two years ago, and I remember, I remember telling my doctor I was going to do this, and he's like, "You're meant to be taking it easy." And I was like, "Well, my brain says yes, the rest of my body's gone no." So we'll see. Training has been interesting. Um, I have a yeah, a bit of a slave driver of a boyfriend. Very supportive though. I can't you know fault him, and he's going to be doing it alongside me, even though he doesn't work for the company. He's actually taking a day off annual leave to do it and get out there and again sit on a bike for potentially 12 hours of the day that's what you call a keeper well we would we'll try we'll see <laughs> we might break up halfway through originally he was going to be my pit crew and driving his car and then he went to me actually no i'm going to do it with you and i joked and i said well there goes my free time to myself you just throw in that idea 12 hours we live together at the moment so he works upstairs in the spare room office and i'm down in my little cubby hole. I was like, I'm 12 hours away from you and you've taken it from me. So no, luckily we can see the humour in both things, but I do not think I'd be able to do it about him. I give him more credit. He's gone out for a run at the moment, so he can't hear me being nice. And if any of you not tell him I'm nice about him, I'm coming to you. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, great charity. Really interesting challenge. And we'll see how that goes. Have you got a uh, Just Giving link? We, I do. I believe it is. Uh, it's on Just Giving, and if you search the big O E O Y E S, so one U E Sussex challenge, you'll find it. Or if you look on Just Giving for Thrive Tribe, it's connected to there. Um, I'm one of the contributors. So yeah, hoping to raise uh, five hundred pounds at least. You know, at least that can help in terms of providing these children and families with some help, especially through this weird difficult time we're all going for you know illnesses don't stop because of the pandemic unfortunately true well good luck good <laughs> luck <laughs> and, um, I'm going to sleep really oh, well afterwards we'll make sure we put we'll, we'll make sure we put the link to that uh, Just Giving page on the uh, on the what, uh, sorry on the uh, podcast um, so enough. when people listen to this uh, hopefully you might get a few more donations fingers crossed I'll have a great night's sleep and hopefully you know it will be it'll be it will be all worth it. It's gonna be an experience and it's my own personal challenge, obviously being, you know, recovering from my meningitis and you know, just 
I can do it, then anyone can. That's the, that's the goal. Brilliant. So, for the rest of the one new East Sussex lot, you've got no excuse now. I want someone to run that 120 miles. So next, next, next year, it's a Fred Witten challenge for you then, isn't it? Exactly. I'm sure the man from Fat Lock can get involved somehow. We can uh, get that going. That's the most grueling challenge I've ever seen. Is it 100, 100 miles around the Lake District with, with gradients of you don't want to even Are touch we like that? To, like, personally volunteer like people because I, I, I can think of a few of the man from Fat Lock I would love Call them out. Call them out. Torture. I'm sure Tim or Terry or... Well, I'm thinking, well, Tim, yeah, Tim, Tim, it's got to be Tim, you know, promoting all of this. Terry, yeah, Terry actually interviewed me when I joined as a Man V Fat coach, so, you know, it's only right that I give back to the Man V Fat community. Right. And of course, nothing's going to be, you know, it's not going to be a good day out without Richard Crick doing something noble for a noble cause. Oh, I, like I agree. I, like I, think, I think we should do something as a podcast team as well. We'll put our heads together, actually. Yeah, I mean, especially in lockdown, it's just it's something to strive towards. It's it's routine. It's you know beforehand. If someone said to me, "You're going to exercise today," I'd look at them with my bowl of popcorn and my dressing gown on, as if I'm some form of gremlin that you don't want to wake up. Whereas now I've got a bit more purpose. (laughs) Was it it 120 miles? 120 miles. I wish it was kilometres, but no, it's 120 miles. We're starting off in Tombridge, Wales, which is a little bit outside of East Sussex, but my colleague Bex lives literally on the outskirts of Tombridge, Wales. We're making our way through um, to Brighton and then along Eastbourne and then back to Hastings, where I will be celebrating with a nice cold beer at probably one o'clock in the morning knowing me because I'm going to get lost I've got no sense of direction we're screwed well I'll make sure I'll make sure put a hashtag on to to Halfords or um, (laughs) or Decathlon to maybe get you a bike for that for that you know throw you a bike for charity cars excellent if they can make it like really cushioned as well that would be fantastic It's not that it's not the bike ride I'm worried about. It's the getting off in between each stop and then having to get back yeah. on again. I'll do a tandem with your boyfriend. It's get- there you go. Well, I said this the other night, but we were so delirious from one of our training sessions that I called it a pedalo, and he said, "Can you imagine <laughs> get out of Tunbridge Wells on a, ped- a swan pedalo?" And my brain just didn't not enough sleep. My brain just didn't compute this, and I was like, "What are you on about?" Thinking I'm talking about tandem, but I've said pedalo. And he's just pissing himself in a corner, imagining a swan just trying to make it down the, you know, the A27 or something towards <laughs> Brighton going, we're trying, we're trying. That's no, one for the future, I think. So, yeah. uh, That's next year. So, um, anyone else want to do that with me? So I, yeah. I think, seeing as there's three of us, and 120 nicely divides between all of us, <laughs> doesn't it? 40, 40 each 40, 40 miles you can do a virtual one you can join in so why don't we all do 40 miles each on a bike and we can support Casey well I don't know why don't we why don't we do um, a triathlon so one can run one can one can cycle and one can swim I'm bagging off swimming or running I'll run I'm not swimming for 40 miles no <laughs> not for 40 miles but the cycle the cycle is going to do the longest the runner's going to do this, the second longest and then the, then the, the swimmer will do... Let's talk this off, Mike. Wait, yeah, so we don't officially yeah, yeah, commit we'll to it. <laughs> okay. I highly recommend spreadsheets. Spreadsheets are the way forward. I could not get by without a spreadsheet. I would sit down and just discuss it that way. No, that's not a bad one. 
And don't agree to go to 52 people's houses before you realise actually where they live. <laughs> Stop it. You know, when you uh, turn up empty-handed, you're like, oh, what's the point of visit? You know, what's the point of visit? You know, bring me a present. So make sure you well, take them a gift. I, I, well, no, they've got the gift of me. What more do they want? My charm? I mean, I'm tempted to do it. If anyone who Five Tribe has ever known me, I, don't, I do things a little bit odd. So the sports day, I turned up in a Pikachu onesie because why not? And a lot of people are like, oh, she just turned on this onesie, she's going to take it off. No, I played volleyball and I won. I'm the champion of volleyball for I tried company in a Pikachu onesie. And I'm gutted. I may not defend my crown this year. It is heartbreaking. So I may just have to cycle around East Sussex in this yellow, white onesie. No one's going to me. Any car that hits me, it's their own fault. I am a luminous. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. Recommendations on costumes or just simply sharing the um, link uh, for that great cause would be anything is appreciated. Uh, a lot of my colleagues are going to make cakes, so I will be fully fueled for the day, if not in a food coma by the time I finish. Well, that's what you could do. If you, if you go around in the Pikachu, you can get your, the, the, guy, the people in the houses to throw balls at you to try and catch you. Oh, my God. Excellent. Do you know what I mean? My- we're trying to aim for like five minutes per house. This may turn into a weekend event. <laughs> <laughs> Just rock up. Yeah. So, no, let's we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm not a one to quit. You know, I, I've gone through some tough things in the last couple of years. So, this relatively should be easy, he says. We, we believe in you. We'll get, we'll get an update. <laughs> Don't we, lads? Get an update. Yeah. When is it? When's, it, when's, the, when's the event type day? So it's the 18th of June. So I haven't given myself time at all. So I actually haven't, apart from the last week, I've not actually ridden a bike since I was 11. So I've had to learn how to ride a bike again, learn how to ride on the road, learn some hand signals, deal with the hills of East Sussex. It's been a a full-on thing, but it's nice to get out of the house. It's nice to exercise. And I said it's for a worthy cause. And... I couldn't pick a better training buddy and teammate to do it with. Again, she's not here. I'll never say this to his face. You probably won't listen to this because I'll ban him for that. <laughs> but no, bless him. So yeah, Zach, Zach has been a lifesaver and it. I don't think I would be able to do it without him. So. Excellent. Lovely. But can you do the washing up next time for me? <laughs> so we like to finish the... Um, the podcast with a little bit of a quiz so okay. Ross has oh. come up with his quizstory which used to be a story but now isn't a story anymore but we, we won't get into that um, and it, I believe it's what I believe it's around sleep Ross is that correct? Oh no pressure yeah loads of pressure So do you, do you get a pen and paper, Casey? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't actually prompt you on getting a pen and paper before, so I'm just, get, I'm just giving you a little chance now before Ross actually starts and goes into it, because, you know, if we start asking the first question, you're like, wait, what, what is this? Ooh, luckily, I'm a Virgo, so I have my own pencil case around. I'm always organised. Oh. Right, let's go. Well, uh, what colour do I do? Gold. Right, okay, no pressure. It's not as if two months of lockdown has prepared me for Zoom quizzes. <laughs> 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 so, question right. one. This is, is about sleep. Well done, Stu. Did, did I prep you on that one? Um, how many times a day is your body programmed to feel sleepy? 
One, two, three, or four. Repeat that question again. How many times a day is your body yeah. programmed to feel sleepy? Mine personally, or are we talking about an average person? Because I'm pretty sure mine double. <laughs> this is just as an average. I didn't write the questions. It wasn't me. Where are you finding <laughs> this from? Um, I'm going to say three. Stu? I'm going to say I'm going to say two. Rom, I'm torn. I'm torn between one and I'm torn between four because basically you should only sleep once once a day, obviously at night. But then I, I get sleep after meal time, so I'm thinking three meals a day plus the fourth to go to sleep at night, maybe four. So I'll, I'll, I'll just hit with, hit it with one. Wait, so you've gone from it's, I think it's four, but I'm going to no, go no, with one. I was torn between one and four, <laughs> so I'm going to go with one. Okay, it's two. And the hours, the hours are, are supposedly between midnight and 7am and the second period in the afternoon between 1 and 4. So that would go coincide with your nap, nap times, mm. I suppose. I, know, I should have thought of it logically. Oh, so, so, okay, so what, what transpires is are you actually getting the perfect amount of sleep at the right time? Probably not, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I like to think of myself as unique. So I just need that extra one, okay? Just that, that little bit of a, a, mid, a midday slum before right. I have my proper nap. You're right, Casey. Roman's having a nap every time he eats. <laughs> <laughs> no, you probably... Shut up. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking about pre, pre-naps. You know, like you have your pre-workout. So I'm having a pre-nap before the nap. Pre-nap. I just got in the head I Stu's just got in his head now like oh god that was a lovely <laughs> rice pudding <Yeah. laughs> I mean, oh this, this porridge yeah. was great at 7 in the morning <laughs> oh, a fly just went in your mouth <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit dangerous on no, a bike yeah. isn't it have <laughs> to get a visor nah narcolepsy <laughs> question 2 um, now if, if you paid attention this has already come up in the podcast which group needs up to 13 hours of sleep per night? Preschoolers, school-aged children, adolescents or adults? Which group needs up to 13 hours of sleep per night? Just working back in my head. I know babies need, newborns need the most, but they're always asleep. Don't give, them the, answer. Don't give them the answer. I've, 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 I've already real preschoolers. I've, I've, I was going to say preschoolers. Yeah, preschool. Sleep needs to vary from person to person and they change throughout a person's life cycle. Children in, pre- <laughs> children in preschool need... They have not had enough sleep. Can't read. <laughs> children in preschool need 11 to 13 hours of sleep per night. Newborns sleep up to 18 hours a day. There you go. Every parent will tell you though, not their child though. Yeah. Every parent will say, not mine though, mine's always awake. <laughs> well, you're if a parent, to this <laughs> If you listen to this one, you should get this one. Question three, adults need less sleep as they grow older. True or false? I'm going to say true. Did you listen, Ron? Yeah. <laughs> adults I, need less, less sleep as they grow gonna older. Say, I'm going to say False. Am I going to be the middle ground ever? <laughs> <laughs> True or false? See, we need less sleep as we get older, but it reaches to a certain point. So, yes and no. Yeah, when you're 80, you don't need like half an hour sleep in a day. <laughs> exactly. <you know? laughs> 
some adults only need you know need more sleep when they're adults can i be like the middle ground can i be like what's what's between true and false can i be triple false? true or false maybe maybe so i, I I'm not going to row with you because you're, you're definitely the expert on this podcast, so I'll go with you. This quiz says it's false. It says poor sleep is not is oh, poor sleep is not a normal part of aging, basically. I'll read you the big long paragraph. It said, it, it, it said less sleep, not good or poor sleep. So uh, <clears throat> oh, I, don't, I didn't read by him. About half of your sleeping hours are spent dreaming. True or false? Oh. <laughs> One second. One second is spent dreaming. False. <laughs> false. On average, we spend about two hours dreaming each night, it says on here. We have to be in a particular stage to dream. There you go. It's a lot of dreams. Question five. I'll only do five this week. Um, which of the following is the most common cause of nightmares? Oh, this is quite interesting. Eating before going to bed, excessive alcohol consumption, stress and anxiety, or illness with fever. So I've not actually chosen the answers yet, but I'm going to go with the fever. That's what I think. I'm going to go with the fever just because the Terminator... Wait, why is it... You're right? going to bring it back to the Terminator, Rob. Right, right, because <laughs> James, James Cameron... The Generator. <laughs> right. That's what I've been... <laughs> <laughs> I've been sleeping on that line all the time until I knew you'd mentioned the Terminator. <laughs> no, because when James Cameron was in Rome, he had a dream about um, a uh, a robot or a humanoid robot coming out of flames, and that was that, that's what spawned the Terminator. And obviously, had a night- that was a nightmare. Um, so that's why I'm cho- choosing that. Okay, so, you know the scene in Terminator One where he gets blown up by the truck, and then he, he and and they're about, they're about to go into the generator off. It comes out, it, it comes out the flames. It comes out the flames. Well, that's that's the that's the scene. I'm about to start a debate, but I've never seen the Terminator. Yeah. Oh uh, no, Casey. <laughs> I will now not be um, putting any money into your bank account for this uh, bike ride. Thank you very not much. My <laughs> I had a productive childhood of playing outside and getting some fresh air. Yeah, I played, I played Kirby too. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I get very scared from scary things and it wouldn't be normal things, so things like that. So at which point in case with my answer, I might be wrong, but personally, I think it's stress and anxiety. I, I'm going to go... Um, I'm going to go stress and anxiety, actually. Oh, with the expert. Oh, oh. Oh, Stu cheated. Yeah, the answer is stress and anxiety. Nightmares which are dreams, or nightmares which are dreams that cause high levels of disorder of terror occur more often when you are stressed or anxious. Fever dreams tend to be like wacky dreams. Mm, yeah. Delusional. Yeah. Hallucination type things. So I think like nightmares is that fight or flight response to so that cort- raised level of cortisol which will have an impact. So that's what I was going down. I was going down more of a scientific too. route instead of a terminator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it'd be great for a thesis. I just don't think anyone will read it. <laughs> Do you know what? Just, that was, I've never had a guest shoot me down so much than the new case. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Hey, I'm one of hey, a what happens when you, hey, just, you're you, have to, you have to get a mention of the terminator to every single podcast. 
You've done nearly 40 podcasts and you mentioned it to me at least every podcast. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. (laughs) I, does anyone? Well, you, fell, you, you fell into my trap, wrong because I knew it was coming. Uh, <laughs> does uh, is anyone like me a bit weird? No. Like they actually prefer nightmares to dreams <laughs> to, to nightmares. No. I, I prefer them. Yeah, they're just more exciting, no. aren't they? I that was, that was one of my last time I had a nightmare. Yeah, go on. Um, well, when you were talking about dreams and all, you've got all those um, bits where it's like, oh, if you dreamt about the colour blue, it means you're very more serene and all that kind of rubbish. That I think is rubbish. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll retract my little bit. That's my thoughts. Um, I remember. I remember one. I remember. I can remember like four dreams, and one was my teeth falling out, and it was one of the scariest things because I went to brush my teeth, and, and I felt them like crunching my teeth, like they just crumbled, and then I was spitting them all out in the sink, and it was minging. It was a horrible, horrible dream. And somebody said, or I read that it was because I was stressed, and I was wondering if there is like a correlation between what you dream about and your actual living life IRL yeah so it kind of it takes upon that standpoint of your brain is consolidating all those memories so your brain is choosing to play out the highlight reel of your day I can only describe it as you know minus the terminators but um, you're able to think about what you're going through and if you're particularly, you know, maybe stressed or you've got a particular, you're anxious about something. So it could be that it stems from that. I know there's a lot of different websites out there that, you know, you can Google in the morning, oh, my foot got run over by a bicycle. What does that mean? You shouldn't do a 120 mile bike ride. That's what you should do. <laughs> Things like that. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm one of those people where I believe the science is sleep, but I'm not entirely sure about sleep. I'm just, I'm along for the ride. It's quite interesting, and if you know, it, it's weird because it's going to be one of those things that you're not actively, for example, you know, she's mentioned, you know, his wife is waking up the next day and utterly like associated with him, hates him, you know, dreams do as a dick. <laughs> I just say, you know, she's not actively thinking that oh, when so she's she awake. Is, you know, she's not She's not going through her memory going, right, what do I need to process and say? He did a really dicky thing. I'll dream about that tonight. (laughs) He didn't do the washing up, so dreaming's going to have an affair. That's not, no, it's based, it's just on imagination at the end of the day. You'll find that people who are really creative have really creative and weird dreams. And they they just tend to be really things we wouldn't normally do in everyday life. So. You know, it, dreams are a chance to live out stuff that likelihood is we will never happen in real life. And if you've ever had a dream where you're doing basic things like driving a car, and suddenly the car has become a little bit like Fred Flintstone's car and it's got no undercarriage and you're using your feet instead of like the wheels, but you know how to drive a car. Or, so I'm quite an avid, I like going up to 1066 Target Sports and doing like the live uh, live shooting or airsoft guns. So I know how to shoot a gun. I'm, I'm actually a military child. My dad's still in the forces. So, you know, I, I've got quite a good aim. And yet any time in any dream where you've got a weapon or your fist, something like that, you suddenly punch like your hands made of jelly or something. Okay. And it's like, what's going on? This is like a someone half my size and I can't even smack them apparently and yet you know in real life and you have to kind of wake up and like test it and unfortunately Zach's on the other end of receiving that because I just want to make sure that I've got a good punch going on 
but yeah, it's just dreams are weird. You can be doing something amazing or you can be doing normal things, just really bad things. I love it. I love dreams are amazing. My favorite thing. That's why I look asleep. It's a dream. Like it. Has anyone else had that falling yeah, out to his dream? Or I, just I, I had it quite regularly. I went through a period where I had it quite regular. I read somewhere it's, it's always to do Real with um, being scared of loss or something like that or dealing with loss. You read. It's also, um, I read somewhere it's to do with your own oral hygiene. So, like how clean, you know, often you clean your teeth, things like that. It's your subconscious reminding you that if you don't, this will occur. <laughs> Oh, so you've just, you've just thrown me and Stu under the bus for having stinky breath. How are you doing? That's why I say I've never had that dream. I'm going to be safe now, guys. No, you just, you just dream about robots chasing you. No, James Cameron did, love. I didn't, if you'd listened. No, it's definitely you. Definitely you. Give one, just before, just I've, I've got one more. Is, well, you know when you wake up in the morning, if you do it tomorrow morning, as soon as you wake up, try and clench your fists as tight as you can and you won't be able to do it in the morning. Your hand goes all like creaky. It's really weird. Try that in the morning. There you go. So it's because um, when we sleep, part of our protection system is it immobilises the body or so we actually become paralysed when we sleep. So we don't act out our dreams. Wow. And there you go. You can, you can prove that in the morning. Wake up and try and clench your fist. Is that, really how I, is that why I have to kind of like throw myself out of bed to get out of bed? Because my legs and my body's not working. It's like... <laughs> yeah, so if, if, if our body didn't, you know, paralyze ourselves, we would be acting out our dreams. We'd be punching walls. We would be halfway down the street. It's why um, some people sleepwalk. So yeah, it's, we have to sort of give ourselves a little kickstart in the morning. When anybody ever mentions sleepwalk, I just picture that scene from Step Brothers. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> Where they put pillows in the oven? Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing scene. I'm missing oh, out on these classics. You wake oh. up and they, just, they both sleepwalk and they just put pillows in, in the oven and they're like, you know, uh, handbags in the fridge and stuff. Classic. Casey, thank this you so one much. Of the funniest films ever. Thank you so okay. much for coming on uh, and sharing your knowledge of sleep and how we can get better sleep. Uh, it's been really, really interesting, actually. Uh, and I think I've come up with a nice little routine um, during lockdown to try and get up a little bit earlier, I think. you got to share that if now, I had, If I had one tip that I would share, and I'm a bit, a bit hesitant not to talk about it because it leads to the inevitable. We've already discussed this kind of pre-recording is Keep the bedroom for two things, sleeping and for sex. Don't work in your bedroom. Don't watch, don't have a television in your bedroom. I, you know, if it wasn't for Zach, I wouldn't have a television in my bedroom, but he insists that he has to fall asleep for it being on. Just keep your room for those two things and your brain will know when and where it needs to sleep. There we are. What about, what about work in your bedroom? Because as you can see, I'm, my office is in my bedroom because <laughs> I'm in the flat, so... Does that, is that any correlation there? You need to find a new work area. You need to find a new work area because your brain doesn't know the difference. Okay, so, right, yeah, well, there's yeah. nowhere else. Why so. Yeah, somewhere else. It's it just, yeah, it's it, having that space where you just sleep is important, you know. If you nap as well, try not to nap in your bedroom. Nap on the sofa, for example, because, again, your brain will think you're going to go and sleep properly. Oh, I love a good kip in my bed. 
I have to do my full like bedtime routine and then go and have a little nap. But I can More have like an hour. It's danger naps. If you no, I, I still wake up about well I'll say that. Not all <laughs> <laughs> Normally about <laughs> some of the time. My stems from my childhood because when I was to, like when I was uh, living with parents, I was younger. Uh, I was napping on the couch. My dad would come up to me and smack me, uttering the words, "This is not a bed." If you're gonna gonna go to sleep, go to your room. So I'm kind of fearful of going. I'm still fearful of sleeping on a on a couch. I mean, if if you're having a nap on your couch and your dad's slapping you now, then you should probably talk about boundaries in your own house. What are you doing? Why are you naked? What? Don't, don't give him a key. Top tip number two. Don't give anyone else a key. On that yeah. note, thank you very much. No, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Baby Fat Podcast. Uh, as we discussed, we'll put Casey's Just Give It link so you can sponsor her amazing uh, bike ride. Thank you for listening to the Man V Fat podcast. I'm Dean Bax. And like most men who have joined or thinking of joining Man V Fat, um, I have lost 61.5 kilos of weight in about six seasons. If you're thinking about joining Man V Fat, join up at manvfat.org. What do you think of that, guys? I thought Casey was amazing. Uh, some really interesting points and some really things, you know, I learned some things that I probably didn't know um, prior to well, you, the podcast. Well, yeah, one second. You dream for a second. Like, I still don't believe that. I still can't comprehend yeah, you dream for a second. That. <laughs> I, That's, that is pretty mad, isn't it? Like a I, full dream. Like, I don't, yeah. Still, that's just, still baffling me. It's just inception. So it is. Yeah, correct. It's just inception. It's, it's like ultimate download speeds. <laughs> I, 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 I think I think we're dreaming five G. Five. <laughs> <laughs> so point right now, but um, the I want to know. Yeah, if you had download speed, how how fast would you be? How, how fast yeah, the process what's your would bandwidth? be? Yeah. yeah. That's I, think I'm still, I think I'm still on dial-up. <laughs> 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 have you ever have you ever um, picked the phone up while someone's been trying to send a fax? That's a horrible noise, isn't it? Well, that. Do you, on a serious note, do you guys ever remember where you had to use your phone line for your, for your internet? Yeah. Oh no! I think I was late to. I went straight on broadband because my dad was one of the latecomers to the game of the internet. We had we had like a, I remember having a telly that that was also a laptop. It was the weirdest. Machine I've ever had, and like the remote, you flip this thing up on the remote, and it had a keyboard. It was oh, was it on digital well, or something? Yeah, it was well on, man. <laughs> Strange. Strange. Listen up, kids. Take you back to it. I remember back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell. <laughs> on that bombshell. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back with episode four soon.